And now we're going to talk, we're going to have here in just a minute, we're going to have a, a death and resurrection a service. And uh, there's going to be some really things happen here to end this. It's going to be beneficial to uh, uh, the rest of your life. And I really believe that. I believe this is a very, very pivotal morning, something that you've been waiting for. And uh, it's been building, and Bob's been sharing, and I've been sharing, and there's a concert of revelation uh, you know, on a rhythm of revelation, a poetic cadence of you know that's been coming in and out of this meeting, and uh, somehow I don't know if I can do it, but I want to try to put it together and just speak to you what I feel the Lord has to say to you this morning about what we've been talking about. So again, you're going to have to multitask with me and think on two levels: think on both a historical, biblical uh, level of a story in the Bible, and also think about you as fitting into that story as a person. A type or a shadow or a parallel of that thing that is written about here in Acts chapter 8. And it is the persecution of the church by Saul and the death of Stephen and, and the ministry of Philip. And so let me just read it through real quick. And I know you're familiar with this, but maybe you've never had it presented to you this way. It's going to be very personal. And we're going to release some people today. We're going to have a couple of funerals here today. And we're going to have some resurrections here today of hopes and dreams and visions. And there's going to be, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a really interesting time. So, uh, so I hope you're dressed up for this because uh, uh, this, we're talking high church this morning. So here we go. Saul, uh, this is uh, Saul persecuting the church and the, the, uh, the history of that in Acts chapter 8. Saul was in hearty agreement putting him to death, meaning at the time that was Stephen. If you remember, uh, Stephen uh, was one of the elders of the church, and he was sort of the golden boy of the church. He came in on the bottom floor serving tables with the women. It's like, it was like he and the rest of the women. He took a real lowly position in Eastern culture to serve in the church to uh, just wait tables with the women and cook the beans and fish and, and you know, fish tacos, whatever they were doing. But that was, that was sort of his position. But he began to rise to affluence because of he was called a man of faith and he was a man of integrity. And he had faith for miracles. And, and while he was sitting the silverware, people were getting healed. You know? And while he was doing the administration with the women of the daily cooking, uh, the, you know, someone is sick and, and Stephen would pray for him, they would be healed. And, and so there was this healing ministry began to develop in Stephen. And it developed so strongly that it caught the attention of Saul, who later became Paul, who was a persecutor of the church. And it was very obnoxious for this low-key church member, you know, kind of the bottom of the pile, to be doing these extraordinary miracles. I mean, before long, he's going to be on TV, and then what's going to happen? The whole world is going to, you know, it's going to be know about it. So it says that Saul was in hearty agreement with the rest of the religious crowd to kill Stephen because of the extraordinary faith and the extraordinary miracles that was happening in his life. And on that day, verse 2, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered about throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church and entering into the house after house. He'd been dragging off men and women and put them into prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word, but Philip 
went down to the city of Samaria and began to preach Christ to them. And the crowds with one accord gave attention to what was said by Philip as they had heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Did you hear that? He heard and saw. We talked about that this week. He heard first, then they saw. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lamed were healed. And there was much joy in that city. Now look at just for a minute verse 2 here, because it's very uh, apropos for where we're at as the church. And that is there was great persecution against the church of the day. Now let me talk to you a minute about persecution. But before I do that, talk to you about revival, which is a catchword, a buzzword being used right now. And people love the word revival and do not realize that revival works hand in hand with persecution. It's like we've been praying, God send revival, send revival. He goes, oh really? How, how, you know, would you like the whole package? Like you want the full meal deal? I mean, you want the super size? Because you can't have true revival without opposition. There is a cause and effect a principle in the kingdom of God that means when God uh, 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 affects something with His Spirit, there's a, there's a kickback and a, a cause and effect, and the enemy retaliates and he puts opposite pressure against the pressure that's coming to try to resist or neutralize what God is doing. So every time God gets ready for revival, the enemy gets ready for anti-revival. And what he does is he begins to bring discouragement and persecution, and he begins to bring killings, and he begins to bring disappointments and disillusionment, and he begins to press the panic button that Bob was talking about and press the discouragement button, and he tries to get us to stop one step short of our breakthrough without knowing that we're about to break through the membrane of the spiritual realm into revival because he blinds us to the fact that that great persecution is one of the first signs that great revival is on the other side of the wall. I don't know if you can hear this. So there was great persecution. Everywhere in the Bible, you see where there is great revival, whether it be like with Moses, when the children of Israel, before great revival happened, great persecution was in effect. So it was out of the great persecution and bondage under the bondage of Pharaoh that God was able to initiate a deliverer who brought all of Israel into this great, uh, uh, this great uh, arena of revival. It was persecution that pressed them into a cry of desperation for God to do something extraordinary. And God, of the God of cause and effect, caused a revival to happen. So every time you see persecution you'll see revival follow. So how many have been praying for revival? Because what you don't know, you've been praying for persecution. You've been praying for God to humble you. You've been praying for... When you say, Lord, I want revival, you said that in heaven, but hell heard that too. And the devil said, they just said what? They want to see the dead raised. They want the sick to be healed. And you know Satan has a job to do. And all of his followers have a job. And he's usually on, at church on time. He's usually there before we are there and stays later than anyone else. Because he's like trying to counterbalance what God is wanting to do in the church. So it doesn't surprise me that the, very, uh, the embryonic stages of the New Testament church began with great persecution because the enemy saw the great potential in the church, so he brought great persecution against the potential of God to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the four corners of the earth with signs and wonders and miracles and raising of the dead.
So I guess my first word I want to say to you is, if you've been under great stress and great persecution, and you feel like God has moved and changed his address and didn't give a forwarding address to you, somehow you lost his phone number, you don't have John 3.16 in your your, uh, speed dial anymore, and you can't touch God, you can't find God, feel like the lights have been turned out upon you, and demons are attacking you for every side, and there's all kinds of pressure against you, you may be in position for one of the greatest appointments from God you've ever had. You may be one persecution away from the next greatest revival. So, here goes. They're having great persecution, and out of that persecution, they kill Stephen. And when they kill Stephen, all the church, and the high church in Jerusalem, is lamenting over their great evangelist, Stephen, at the grave of Stephen. I mean, this is the ultimate death and persecution of the church, where, like, that would be like them killing a Benny Hinn or Oral Roberts or, you know, the great healer of that day. I mean, he was the golden boy of the first century church, and he had a, the potential to, to catapult the church into a worldwide explosion of signs and wonders and miracles because the spirit of faith rested upon Stephen. But Stephen died. And all the hopes and dreams and promises and the songs of revival and the hope for revival died that day when the devil through Saul brought to him to death and killed the promise that had been brought to the church that was emerging in the church, which was Stephen. And all of the church, instead of going about doing what Jesus had told them to do, to go to all corners of the earth and proclaim the gospel gathered together at the grave of Stephen and fell into a pool of discouragement and began to lament out loud and cry and weep over what could have been and what was no more. Now, I want to bring it down to a personal level. Every one of you have a Stephen in your life. Every one of you have been promised something like Stephen. Some of you have had prophecies. You've ever had prophecies? You're going to be, I'm telling you, you're going to be bigger than God and your headquarters is going to be on Mars and Jupiter and you're going to do more miracles than Jesus. I'm telling you, the angels, like, they, their heart fluttered when you walk by. I mean, it's like, have you had these great and grandiose prophecies? I'm telling you, you're going to have more money than Walmart. I'm telling you, God's going to do something incredible with you. And you know, I mean, the kings, you're going to be in the palaces of kings and fear not, little flock, you're going to be a big, big flock and fear not little failure you're going to be a big success and, and it's going to be wonderful for you and you ever had that you got them hanging on your rear view mirror you got them on your refrigerator door you got them you quote them all the time I'm going to be something all that and a bag of chips I am something incredible oh my god it's wonderful it's wonderful and it's wonderful and you wake up the next morning you know and, and, and all of hell drops down on top of your head do you know what I'm talking about I mean, you get this great promise. You're gonna have three. You're gonna have three Mercedes, four houses, a seaside home, and a whole bit. And you wind up in, in a prayer closet somewhere with some napkins and snot running down your face because the, because you feel like the bottom is dropped out. And whoever prophesied you first, you want to find them. You want to kill them to begin with. Whoever gave me that word, or whatever preacher said this to me, when you come to the kingdom of God, oh, it's gonna be wonderful. The peace and love and joy. I'm telling you, give your life to Jesus. It's 
going to be incredible. I mean, your bills are going to be paid off overnight. The devil, he's bound forever. And you're going to walk and talk on streaks of gold and liquid oil is going to come out of your mouth. And whoever told you that lied like a dog to you when they told you to that. Now, that's the goal that we're getting to, but it doesn't start that way. I mean, there's about seven days of that after you get baptized with the Spirit. And then you fall off of this cloud and realize there's an enemy that the Word was true and that God does want to bring us there, but there's an enemy waiting to neutralize every promise God has given us. And, you know, your cloud's gone. It's like, hey, hey, heave, heave, get off on my cloud. You know, and Satan kicks you right out of the second heaven. Because his song is like, what goes up must come down. Demonic wheels got to go round. <laughs> Talking about your ministry is a crying shame. You know? <laughs> Catch an anointed prophet. Let... Anyway, so anyway, so I'm just saying, we got the song of heaven, we got the song of hell too. And hell, I mean, I mean, I mean, I thought when I gave my life to Jesus, it was like, you know, it's going to be like silk. The will of God's going to be like silk. It's going to be rosy. It's going to be everything. I mean, even your, you won't even burp anymore. You know, it's like you won't even, you know, you, you know, or have to go to the bathroom or anything. It's like you're automatically a manifested, you know, son of God or daughter of God and walking in a new realm. And we are going to get there, but how many knows it didn't work that way when it started with you? Huh? Well, the church must have thought, boy, this is it. And all of a sudden, their Stephen gets slaughtered. Have you ever had your Stephen slaughtered? Have you ever had your hopes, your dreams, and your visions slaughtered? Have you ever had, uh, you know, uh, you know what, whatever someone prophesied to you, whatever you knew that God has given you, and whatever you received from God, and then now five years have passed, ten years have passed, twenty years have passed, and now you're starting to feel like Sarah and Abraham. Without a visitation. <laughs> and so you're hanging on to that, and you're hanging on to that, and you're hanging on to that, and you're being more and more pressed than the enemies. And so what you do is you find yourself standing at the grave of something that was promised to you, and you have camped out there, and you spend the rest of your life lamenting and crying over what should have been in your life. And if for no other reason I'm here to deliver you from something, I'm here to deliver you from this dead Stephen that you're dragging behind you. Now, does it mean, was it God's will? Yes, it was God's will. Has there been things that you have heard from God that was from God? Yes, they were. But sometimes, sometimes life things just don't work out like they're supposed to. And, but see, God owns the alphabet. He's got plan A, plan B. Plan C, Plan D, and then when he gets to uh, X, Y, Z, it's Plan A1, Plan B2, Plan C3, then he gets to this Plan A1 and get three, then Plan B3, then Plan. I mean, he has the you know. There's no end to this stuff. And what's good with God? Sometimes the first and the last is better than the first. Why is better than A with God? So. I don't know about you, but I've had dreams and hopes in Stevens that I knew was supposed to happen in my life, but didn't come to pass. And I just keep hanging on and hanging on, and I forfeit 
my destiny today because of an unfulfilled destiny of yesterday that has trapped me in a time warp, keeping me from going on to do what God has called me to do today because He's the God of plan B in my life. <laughs> but no, i got to spend the rest of my life crying and weeping and feeling sorry myself over what has happened to me. Like someone called the ambulance, please, because... This is not, you know, I can't believe. And you can't believe what they did. And it's usually like, and it's usually not just the devil doesn't just show up and do this. It's usually like people show up and say, first thing I want to say is I love you. Which is a dead sign that you're about to get berated, you know, by that. Because, see, you've been praying all this time for revival, but you've been praying, you don't know what it means. Revival's great. Well, someone says you need to humble yourself. So you've been praying for humility. Let God break me, humble me, humble me. But you have no idea God's going to use the person next to you in church to bring about His purpose in your life. You think you're thinking about talking about persecution that comes from like, you know, just like kind of a personal persecution. It's kind of a personal thing. Nobody's involved. It's just, you know, either the devil uh, torments you or God just walks out of heaven and puts his foot on you, you know, and humbles you and you fall on the rock. And it's, oh, no, no. There are precious saints out there saying, Lord, send me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are Christians out there who are more than willing to help God in the endeavor to humble you so that you can become what you need to be. And so if God would just do it, or if the devil would just do it, I could, I could get along with that. But when it's people, I'm looking at people, and it's like their goal in life is to break you down and to humble you so that you can be a better man of God. So persecution just doesn't come from the devil. It comes from the church. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever, I've been persecuted. Honestly, I'm a confession here. I have actually been persecuted by Christians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe. Yeah. And some of my closest friends. I, I, there's a member of a guy, you may have heard of him. His name was Jesus. It's like one of his closest friends. I think his name was Judas. I mean, man, that was tough. But anyway, I, I'm off track. So let me get back on this. Because i got, I got to do something. We're going to do something. We're going to end this. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yes. So they're limiting at the grave. Some of you have been dragging dead Stevens to church with you for years now. In other words, the time for that promise is past, or the time for that season is past. It didn't come to pass. You need to get a life, get a grip, let go of it. Just you need to let go. Sometimes, sometimes we don't know when to quit. Now, there's a time when you need to fight for your faith or fight for your healing. But I'm talking about in the purposes of when God. You know, sometimes we don't know when to quit. Now, a good illustration was a lady we knew back uh, in Arkansas in the younger days who who God had spoken to her. She thought that she was going to have child. Well, anyway, she was 78 years old. And uh, so she put a pillow under her dress and was going around with a pillow as a sign of being pregnancy, you know. And I'm thinking, you know what? Probably good idea to let go of that promise right now because I understand that, but, you know, uh, faith without works is dead. You know, it's like... Uh, oops, didn't mean that. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, sometimes 
sometimes the promise of God is contingent upon the cooperation of our will and the circumstances that are around us and the people that are involved with us. Well, it's going to come to pass just because it's God's will. Well, not altogether, because God's will sometimes is contingent upon the will of man, because God does not violate people's wills. He gives out His plans and purposes, and it's up to us to say, now your will be done in earth and on earth as it is in heaven. So sometimes the will of God in heaven for you, now this is dangerous to say that, but sometimes the will of God in heaven for you doesn't get done because the will of God for you in heaven doesn't find its place on earth or in your heart, and you don't bend your heart to accommodate the will that is already in heaven. So heaven never comes to earth, and so you have a Stephen on your hands, and you spend the rest of your life crying about that Thing that never come to pass without understanding that God has destiny stacked up 20-fold deep for you. When one of them fails, He's got a second replacement, a third replacement, a fourth replacement, a fifth replacement. And when you get to the end, you'll say, my goodness, the last is better than the first. He's the God of many chances. He's the God of many destinies. Okay, so here's the deal. So they're at the grave of... uh, So what I want to say to you is there's a Philip anointing coming on the church. Stephen has died. A lot of your hopes and dreams have died. So we need to have a burial service this morning. If you've you've, uh, uh, prayed about it and and, and you've fought for it and stood for it and that season has passed and you know that God's doing something else right now, it's time to get your shovel out. It's time to go ahead and bury whatever that thing is when you were 18 years old, you know, when you were supposed to marry the princes of Wales or whatever you were supposed to do. I don't know. What, it's like not happening. That's not happening right now. You know, you know, or, you know that stuff. Well, whatever. And you, you were going to be the governor of Utah by the time you were 28 because someone gave you that prophetic word. You didn't realize they were pointing at the guy behind you, but you're so stupid you stood up, you know, and like got the word. And, you know, so what we really need right now is a prophet who goes around taking back words that were really not yours. That's what we need. And I'll do that for $30 a person, actually. So any word that you have gotten that's not come to pass because it was someone else's word, somebody needs to annihilate that and get that off your refrigerator and find out what God really wants for your life. But you can't do someone else's destiny. <laughs> I suppose I said, there's a woman over here named Brenda. Once I was speaking somewhere right here. Her name is Brenda. Stand up. And before she could stand up, this guy jumps in and says, My name's not Brenda, but I'll take whatever her word is. <laughs> and it was about a uterus kind of problem. You know, like, of course, that was L.A. So... So here's Philip. Uh, would the jury strike that from the records and take that out of the tape? <laughs> it's actually Orange County. Orange County housewife. Yeah, okay. So here we go. So, so, so oh, I've got to hurry here. So Philip, Philip, Philip is at the grave lamenting with the, uh, the apostles, and they're crying over spilled milk. How many of you ever cried, cried over spilled milk? It could have been. If it just wasn't for, if it just wasn't, it could have been. I could have been great. I know if it wasn't for my pastor, I could have been great. <laughs> if it wasn't for my wife, if it wasn't for my husband, I could have been like, I could have been the next penny in. 
Well, you still can. We'll send you to India. You can be Benny Hindu. But that, my wife, I'm not even looking at her on that one. That was bad. But sometimes I just can't resist being Dennis the Menace. So, I don't mean it. I love Benny Hinn. Don't get me wrong. My goodness. If I could do like two of his miracles, <laughs> I'd be like, all right. I do have white on. So, here we are. <laughs> Philip. So, Philip's standing at the grave of Stephen. Now, get this, because here's, here's where we're at. Therefore, those, in verse 4, who had, who had been scattered about, went about preaching the word. But Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ. Now, I want you to get this, these two words. Philip went down. Look at this. Where's it at? Throwing glasses. Oh, my gosh. Waterfall. Okay. So Philip goes down, or went down. Someone have the King James? Because I'm reading NAS. I like the way it says it. Anybody? No, you have a King James? There's none of you saved here? <laughs> what does King James say? And Philip what? That's exactly what I said. In the NAS. So Philip went down to, to Samaria and began to proclaim Christ to them. And the crowds of one accord began to give attention to what Philip said and miracles began to happen. I want to talk to you about going down to Samaria and just what I call a went down or get gone or get her done anointing. Okay? Philip is, wrong glasses, Philip is standing at the grave of Stephen, crying about it. I see the church doing a lot of crying faithless because great persecution is coming against the church. And you know what? The last three years, Bob, some of the greatest men of God in history have died. Our fathers, our Stevens have died. Oh, from the John Wimbers to the, how can I go on, to, to the uh, Kenneth Hagans, to the Lester Summerall's, to the, uh, huh? To the Derek Prince, to the John Paul Pope, to the Pope, to the, I mean, some of the greatest men in recorded history have died. Our Stevens, and there really is a despondency in the heart of the church because we've seen our fathers die. And that's what happened this day. But Philip had a different spirit. He had a went down spirit. He didn't ask anybody. He didn't pray I mean, he didn't go to the apostles and ask for a special committee to be formed to appoint him as an embassy to, uh, to go down, an emissary to go down to Samaria. It says he just went. I don't know if you can get that. But he chose not to cry about what never worked or what was cut short and decided to do all that he knew how to do. And so he just went. Some of us need a just went anointing. You know what I mean by that? Now, yeah, some of us have spent our whole life praying and interceding. God, oh God, if you want me to heal the sick, if you want me to turn seas upside down, just give me a sign. Uh, have Paul King give me, uh, call me by, uh, you know, uh, give, give him my phone number by revelation or, or, or have Oral Roberts drive by my house three times or have, a, have an airplane drop a million dollars out, you know, into my yard and I'll know it's you. Uh, you know, God, and we just, and we spend our life trying to, you know, just trying to, oh God, if it's you, give me another prophecy of the last prophecy of that prophecy that I I need confirmed about the one I had confirmed that's on my refrigerator that's confirmed. God, I just need, when some of you need to shut up, I need to just shut up. Go ahead, bury Stephen and just went. Uh, you didn't get that. 
I mean, get up, wipe your tears out of your eyes and say, I'm going to be about the Father's business. There's faith arising in me. And although what Stephen carried is dead, I'm taking whatever I can get from here and I'm condescending from high church in Jerusalem down to the gutter of Samaria and I'm taking the gospel there. And when he did take it there, he began to preach Christ to the people and the lame began to walk and the blind began to see and the city was transformed and great joy began in the city to the extent that they called for the other apostles to come down and said, Philip's going bananas on us down here and Samaria should be up there weeping about the condition of the church and the sin in the church and the persecution, but he's down here doing miracles and signs and wonders. Well, that's why his name's Philip. By the way, the name Philip in the Greek means lover of horses. He had a sense of might and freedom. Horses speaks of strength. So we, some of us have, that have been gathered... I mean, some church services are nothing but Stephen Burial's sites. So we gather together to mourn over our failures and over our unfulfilled destinies. So what I want to do this morning, and we're, going to fin- we're finishing here, is I want, to, uh, I want to put hope in your spirit that it's not over until it's over. And I don't care what your failure is, or the failure of your dream, or the failure of your hope is, failure has nothing to do with who you are in the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, the road to success is always filled with the potholes of failure, and you can never be a true success for God until you've been a real failure in yourself. Because in your failures and your weaknesses, God becomes strong in all of that. And one of my most favorite quotes in history was when Thomas Edison was trying to invent the light bulb. And he had gone through 10,000 experiments, experiments of the filament of the light bulb, and he had failed on all 10,000 experiments. One of his uh, understudies came into the laboratory and said, Mr. Edison, you must be very discouraged. We have done years of work and we have 10,000 experiments on the light bulb and we failed on every experiment. Aren't you disheartened? Don't you want to quit? He said, quit? Are you kidding me? We're close. I found 10,000 ways this thing don't work. (laughs) He had to be a charismatic. I mean, Thomas Edison. He had to be filled with the Spirit of God to say something like that. Do you know that the year Babe Ruth broke the world's strikeout record, he also, I mean, broke the world's, uh, uh, what was, home run record, he also broke the strikeout record of that year, too. Did you know that? The year that he hit the most home runs, which still stands as, as a benchmark for, for home runs in baseball, the year that he broke that, he also had more strikeouts than any person in history because he swung at every ball that came at him. And if he missed one, he'd swing at another until he... Our problem is we stand waiting for the perfect pitch. Just waiting now, but just right now. Wait, wait. The, you know the stars have got to get right. I got to feel that goosebump. Then my my thumb quivers, and then I get this prophecy going over here, and there's just this little thing I feel in my stomach, and then my hands sweat, and I don't know. Then if there's a confirmation, it just seemed to be right. I felt something, then I heard something, and a bell jingle, and then someone said a word that said the same word the last prophetic guy said to me. I think it could be God. I don't know. We just shut up and swing the bat. 
And if you and if and if you miss, and if you miss, it's only strike one. You got two more chances at least. And if someone callers foul on you, just say, shut up, watch this. You know, I mean, and if you strike out, you'll be back up again in a little bit. (laughs) Failing doesn't make you a failure. Never trying makes you a failure. The Scripture says a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again. The problem with American church is we have lost our risk-taking ability for failure. We are so secure in our success syndrome and so sensitive about success that we're afraid to fail in order to succeed. Nobody wants to be a success for God, but nobody wants to look like a failure. And unless you're willing to be a failure or look like a failure or to take a risk on hopes and dreams, you will never become the successful thing that God has wanted you to become. Thomas Edison said, The tragedy of life is that most men are only one push short of a breakthrough to the success in their life. I'm speaking to Phillips this morning. There are Phillips and Philippettes in this room. And I'm, and I'm speaking to you and I'm telling you, whatever's gone wrong in your life, divorce, whatever's gone wrong in your life, backslidden, bankruptcy, problems, uh, sins, stuff like that, if you can bury that, or the other stuff, Promises, prophecies that didn't come to pass and and hopes and dreams and aspirations that didn't come to pass. If you can somehow say that was then and this is now because God is the God who was and who is and who is yet to come. You don't want to, you don't be connected to one third of a God. Some of us live with the God that was. Well, 20 years ago, he told me that, I was going to do that didn't happen to me. We need to find the God that is right now working on what's going to be in your life and move on past that. <laughs> but no, we're in love with Stephen. It could have worked if only Stephen could have lived. My God, we, if only Stephen just... Well, it just didn't work out. Get a life, get over it, move on in life, and just... <laughs> And lift yourself up if necessary by your own bootstraps and get out there and just went somewhere. I mean, just try something out. Do you think Philip probably felt led to go to... He didn't go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm crying. I'm feeling a leading of the Spirit. I don't know. He just got tired of bawling and squalling with the rest of the depressed church. And he had seen the model of Stephen's ministry and he said, I can do that. I mean, you, we could be watching Todd on, on television, and I've been watching Florida and the Conference of Revival that's happening down there, and, and, and that's great and wonderful, and boy, I love it, and I have it on too. But you know what? I can do that. You know what? You can do that. Huh? The only reason you're not doing that and he's doing that is because he's a risk taker, and he's just too young to know any better. Because <laughs> the older you get, you start going, now we've got to use wisdom here, brother. 
But when you're young, you say, I can do it. I can kick the devil's rear and I'll just bring it up right now. Just bring it up right now. I'm telling you, I'm taking the world. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, cause I've been with Todd. He goes, whoa, 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 I'm taking the world. You know, right now, today. I said, you don't have any money. It doesn't matter. You need $100,000. What's $100,000 to God? That's peanuts. You know, it's like, oh man, oh, he's scary. Man. I got my retirement plan going here, you know. <laughs> we need some Phillips. Yeah. We need a Philip hope. Yeah. We need a Philip anointing that just wins when no one's sending them. That just goes out into this. You, you have, first of all, you've got to get out of high church. Now, I don't mean you leave church. But I mean high church mentality. Jerusalem was the center of high church. You've got to get out of high church mentality and get out into the streets. That's what, that's what Philip did. He went down to Samaria. You know what Samaria? Samaria was the most putrid place in the world. Jews were forbidden to even associate with Samaritans or even walk down their streets. The first place Philip goes to do the work of God was right down into the gutter of stink, right in the middle of nowhere to places he shouldn't be going as a, a, a Jew and walks right in there. And listen to this. Here's the difference, and I've got to stop Notice that it said the apostles were scattered about preaching the word. You say, well, I can't minister because I don't know. I'm not a good teacher. You're not called to be. Let the apostles apostle. Let them preach the word. The, the scripture, the King James says they were teaching the word. They're teachers. Well, I don't know what I can do. I'm not a good teacher. You don't have to be. Philip was not a teacher. Philip was not a teacher at all. He was just a guy that was bored hanging out at the church whining. So he says he began to preach Christ. And the word Christ is crystals, which is the anointing. He didn't go down and go, now turn to Isaiah 26, 4, and I have 10 points and 10, 7 steps on how to reach a, a prosperous life. And he goes down to Samaria and he begins to give testimony. That's what he did. He began to testify about the works of Christ. He began to proclaim in testimony. He began to preach the crystals. He began to release the anointing. He didn't release teaching. He released the anointing. There is a place for releasing teaching, and it, that's a specified job. I'm a teacher because it's kind of a specified field the Lord's brought me to because I love communicating things that people don't know sometimes. I like that. But, but, but everybody can be a releaser of the crystals. We all have the anointing. We're all bearers of oil. We're all Phillips. So he goes down, and so instead of making the mistake that you and I make, like, oh, my God, revival's coming. I better get to Bible school now. I better get my Greek in line in order. i got to get my three-point sermon down. My God, the Romans road. I forgot the Romans road. Oh, my God, I just got to, how am I going to save it? How's that go? As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I don't know. And we get all paranoid. It's like, no, you just need to release your spirit and just reach down in there, that Christos, because Jesus said you need not that any man teach you, but the anointing the crystals which abides in you will rise up and will teach you of all things. So Philip walks away from ground zero, the devastation of Stephen at the high church and the crying and lamentation walks away from that. And every step that he takes, he can feel the breaking away of that religious spirit that's behind him that doesn't have faith. And he walks into the middle of Samaria and he begins to release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how he did it except he preached Christ. Because there's a difference between teaching and preaching. 
Preaching is what pastor's wife does. Our Lord's already shown me that's what she does. You are a Christos anointing. You are a, 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 a anointing to, to, uh, to, to preach. And when you preach, bondage is, is broken because Isaiah says that we are to preach or to publish the good news. Teachers and theologians teach Christians publish the good news. Oh, I'm, I'm, I've worked myself up into... into I'm going to... I'm going to get back in the ministry because I've quit four or five times this year. I... <laughs> he, no, no. Now, you've got to get this. He didn't just preach. See, here's what we're tired of is just preaching and teaching without any stuff that follows. What we're tired of, what you're tired of, is someone stating the obvious and restating the obvious the next Sunday and the obvious the next Sunday and the stuff. And you can, you know, you can mouth along because you know what's coming next. And you've got it written in the back of your Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the preacher's going, are you with me? We're going, we were ahead of you like three years ago. But anyway, you know, but we, just, we, just, we just kind of follow along you know, like that because, you know, no, no, no. He didn't go down there and just go, now we're going to do a little seminar here. I mean, he preached Christ, then he goes, is there any blind people here? Because he had already known the Scripture says that the miracles follow the preaching, not the teaching, but the preaching of the Word. You say, well, how come this guy, such a great teacher, has no miracles? And this is stretched theologically. But I believe that miracles not necessarily follow teaching, but they follow preaching. Because preaching and teaching, teaches is instruction about the principles of God. Preaching is releasing a prophetic and miracle work and exhortation. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ that causes the effect of miracles in the natural realm. So he began to release Christ and speak about Jesus. Not just about principles, but about presence. He began to speak about Jesus. And he began to proclaim Jesus. When he did, demons began to scream. Can you imagine that? It's not your normal conference. Demons begin to scream. Blind people's eyes are open. And I think the most exciting thing to me about this was that it said, and there was great joy in that city. Now, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen that yet in the, in the American culture, in revival in the American culture. I've seen cities who've had pockets of revival, but I've not seen whole cities taken over by joy because of the release of the Christos in that city. I mean, wouldn't it be great to hear in the news, on the news line, we don't know what's happened, but the whole city is just laughing their rear off. They're on the floor. There's just there's great joy. Everybody you meet, go, how you going? They're going, great! You know, it's like, everything's wonderful. Man, you won't believe what's happening. My goodness, it's incredible. Money's falling out of the sky. I mean, you know, my kids are getting healed. It's wonderful. And, I mean, yeah, wouldn't that be incredible? That's what it was about. It was, so, it was so much that in Samaria that at high church, where they're up there still going, you know, Stephen, 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 Stephen. I mean, you know, uh, you know they're doing this, and they can't say, hey, Philip, is, there's a problem in Samaria. Say so what? Philip's doing the stuff. Oh, you mean like the stuff Stephen was? Well, Stephen's dead. Well, Stephen don't own the stuff. Jesus said, Behold, I give you all power over the power of the devil. Now go cleanse the lepers and he'll raise the dead. And, so, and they go, Well, what are we going to do? And who did they send, Bob? Paul and... Uh, no, they sent uh, Peter and James, didn't they? 
I believe. So they send Peter and James down there to check it out. Can you see them coming down there? You know, riders, just check it out. Check Philip out and go, you know, Jesus coming to flesh. I mean, you know, because that, that's the way you check people out, you know. That's stupid. Anyway, so, so they send him down there to, to check it out. Like, is it real revival? Uh, real revival? Well, uh, yeah, people being yeah, healed. Uh, yeah, we think that's real revival. You know, that's, you know. But, but he probably couldn't preach anymore because he just like, you know, was wasted. you imagine that? I mean, you see that kind of stuff happening, you know. And I've been there. I was at the beginning of Toronto. That's what happened there when we would try to preach. I'd get up with front of 3,000 people and open my Bible up and say, everybody turn to John chapter 2, and the whole place would just erupt. And they, were, they, could, you know, they wanted me out of the pulpit. God wanted me out of the pulpit. You know, I mean, and, and start erupting. Miracles start happening here, screaming. You can't hear because of the noise, the raw power and presence of God. People falling out of their chairs with scoliosis straightening out. And I didn't even get to say, in the name of Jesus, scoliosis come out you know I just said turn to John you know chapter 2 and like and I, I remember three nights straight that Samaria experiences were happening there and I would say three nights and I was determined because I'm a determined preacher I'm going to say something I'm going to say something if it quenches the Holy Spirit I'm preaching And the noise is so loud, I'm trying to preach over them. And you can't hear me because the screams are so loud. Because the blind, you know, blind people are being, you know, their eyes are being opened. Joy, people are on the floor. It's just incredible, you know. People are pointing at me and laughing, you know. <laughs> yeah. So the third night I'm going up there, the Lord says to me, He says to me, because I'm thinking, what I'm going to do tonight is prophesy. That's what I'm going to do is prophesy and call out words of knowledge. And the Lord walked in, He said, don't, do not use your gift, your anointing, your ministry, mess up what I'm doing here tonight. I said, I thought it was yours. He said, yeah, but you're the steward over it, and I'm telling you, keep it in your pocket. So I get up and go, we've learned how to do it. We go, come Holy Spirit. Wha-bam! Like, whoa, it's like, okay, look what I did. It's like everybody's out in the place, you know. But anyway, the, the earmark of all that was great joy. And we need it. Because we just, that was 94. We'd just come out of 80s, a decade from Hades. And we'd just come out of that whole deal in 84. The church needed some joy. And I suspect we're there again. So here's what I'm going to do. We're, I, I don't know. Uh, there's a couple things we're going to do, pray for specifically. We talked about bipolar. But, because there is something uh, significant about bipolar. I suspect that I am. I know that my, I know that I'm from the south in Arkansas. My, some of my family's from the north, up in the north, so I could be bipolar. I don't know. But, but no, no, no. I, I, I really suspect it. I'm wondering because I, I have significant mood swings that have nothing to do with the uh, the Holy Ghost. Um, we call it I, it's, actually it's PMS. It's, it's, it's prophetic mood swings, but. <laughs> Our pastoral mood swings, such as pastor has here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Our pre-ministry syndrome. Post-ministry syndrome, actually, is really tough, too. <laughs> what was I going to say? I threw myself off on that. Oh, 
See? Bipolar. Right there. Just I switched right there. <laughs> no, no, I think it's one I think I think about half the church where well, I think we're all by bi- half bipolar, half the uh, no, fully depressed, uh, anxiety, panic, Bob, you panic and anxiety, that monster's been on my back for the, you know, for the whole deal. And, the, and, and, and God bless them, but the pharmaceutical companies are getting rich off all those Christians. So I, I'm serious. I mean, I give them my money. Huh? I'm talking to you because you're the one that talked about it. He talked to you about anxiety. He didn't talk to me. I just have the attacks. I know. But I would like to say, not as a correction, but just as an amendment to what Bob says, I do believe that there are truly, you know, anxiety can be fear and selfish too, but there are truly biologically anxiety disorders too that come through family lines and the genes and things like that too. So, so we are in a really fear place and anxiety place, bipolar and that sort of, and that sort of deal that was happening. I can't call that bipolar there. But anyway, but, 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 but what? A blood. We need a blood transfusion. Yeah, we need. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. All of your hopes and dreams and aspirations and stuff you thought was going to happen that you're pretty sure the time has passed for that. If you're 78 and you're still not pregnant, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Something like that. You know, if you if you're 85 and you still have not been asked by the Rolling Stones to play lead guitar. Well, that could still be possible. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> that's true. That's... So, sorry. <laughs> but, it, but if you have some... We're going to beer some Stevens. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes for a second. And if you have something in your past that you're hanging on to that you need to bury, you wanted to be the princess or you wanted to be the pastor of this church, and this church doesn't even exist anymore. Are you were supposed to marry somebody who's been married three times now since that? And you're still... I meet people in the church like that all the time. I know the Lord told me I'm supposed to marry him. Not only is that, he's a drug addict and he's running a cartel somewhere in Bolivia. It's like, I think maybe you need to let go of that, Stephen. So whatever thing in your life that you, you've had, what, whatever hopes and aspirations maybe that you had, uh, you know, maybe it's time God was wants to write a new destiny on you. So close your eyes and think about this, and I'm going to do a funeral service here. It's for me. I'm going, to do, I'm going to eulogize you. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here <laughs> to put to rest our imaginations, hopes, and dreams of the past that have not come to pass because either, one, the time in that season is now past and it didn't work out, or two, God has shifted and there's a change and we're in a different season and culture and He's shifting the destiny and He's escalated you to a new destiny. Dearly beloved, all of those things we bury now <laughs> and we put into the ground and we seal the casket and we seal the ground of that and we say yesterday has no bearing on the destiny for tomorrow and the failures of our yesterday will not dictate the successes of our tomorrow because we are not children of yesterday, but we're sons and daughters of tomorrow. So we bury that, and we bury our Stevens, and we will say, Lord, we will not cry or whine and be hopeless over the past anymore and over our failures and over what we haven't been able to do, no matter how old we are. Uh, Joshua's 85. Moses was probably older. I don't know. Charlton Heston is older than all of them. But, Lord, we bless you that you will just help us bury all of that stuff 
So we bury it in Jesus' name. Now, I want to tell you something. I, there's a Philip in you. That, that, that there's a Philip in you that needs to just do. The Scripture says that the problem we are is we are hearers and not doers. There is a Philip in you that needs to just do, just went. There is a Nike commercial you need to get a hold of and that Philip got a hold of in the Spirit. Just do it. Walk away from ground zero. Get down to where we need to go. Go to whatever you need to do. I don't mean you have to move or leave your church. I'm talking about there's Monday and Saturday other than Sunday. And through Monday and Saturday, go out and begin to do the works of Christ. Go to Walmart. Get a couple of blind eyes open. Do what you got to do. I release you for a new destiny. I release you for a new purpose. I release you if it's business now that God wants you to excel in. If it's the arts that God wants you to sell in. If it's drama. If it's writing. If it's apostling. If it's pastoring. If it's healing the sick. If it's miracles and signs and wonders. Or if it's orphanages. Or if it's priests and king. Or whatever. All this stuff you are. I release you. And I erase the slate and I erase the chalkboard of the past that has all the hopes and dreams that have been tormenting you that hasn't come to pass and God is writing a new song for you and he's writing new words for you and a new destiny for you you are children of destiny you are children of hope you are children of tomorrow and God will do extraordinary things through you above anything you've ever thought or imagined or believed for this this is the first day of your Philip. And this is the first day of your Samaria. And because of your faith to stand up and declare, I am what I am, because of that, God is going to give you a Popeye anointing. He's going to give you a strength anointing to be able to do what you could never do before. A champion anointing to be able to go forth and to become every bit of everything that you want to be and that you you have been predestined to be. Don't you think God knew your failures before you began and knew your yeah. setting down? He Amen. knew there had to be a plan B and He put it into motion before the foundations of the work. So what your own plan B? Big deal. Our plan C, big deal. Enjoy plan B and plan C and go forward with your destiny and make a mark in your generation and not just be in history but make history. Become a history maker. One who changes the course of destiny because of the deposit of God that is in, yes, your heart. Lord, we declare that in Jesus' name and I release that upon them in Jesus' name. Depression, oppression, I command you to go. Depression, bipolar symptoms, of mood swings because of traumas in your life and oppressions in your life and failures in your life, feeling sorry for yourself. Depression, my God, I'm talking to me. But anyway, that's just for you too. Every, uh, uh, wanting to quit uh, weaknesses and sicknesses and your bodies uh, responding to the negative uh, failures and to the dead Stevens in your life and the spirits of infirmity. I rebuke them in Jesus' name. We agree that we bear them in the soil of yesterday and we look to the face of Samaria saying God has a new plan and a new destiny for me. Lord, we release them. I release you from bipolar symptoms. 
I release you from depression. I release you from mood swing. I release you from the regrets of the past. I release you from the failures of the past. I release you from the, uh, self uh, 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 being self-conscious. I release you from insecurity. I release you from I am nobody. I release you from I'll never be nobody. And I'm telling you, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And behold, God is making all things new in your life. Greater is He that is in you than he that's in the world. And he that is in you is going to cause His Word to be performed in you, as Paul said. For mighty is the Word of God in me to will and to do the destiny God has called you to do. I call you forth as a corporal or as a general would call an army. Attention! Stand in line and receive the command and the charge that God has for you because in front of you awaits a great battle that you have a part in and God has ordained you for this hour. Your yesterday is irrelevant to the success of what God is about to do in your life. I free you from failure. I free you and I give you the permission to forgive yourself and I forgive you and God forgives you and I give you the permission to be the greatest thing that you can be. You're going to be the greatest you that you can ever be and you are going to be an earth-shaking, earth-moving, earth uh, reforming uh, person of God that is going to explode on the scene in the next few years with great faith and great anointing. Uh, Lord, I declare history makers in this room. History makers in this room. In Jesus' name. Those of you that had problems learning and had this attack of bipolar and dyslexia? It's uh, because uh, the tubitary gland is a little out of tune. Those that need this, stand up and let others lay their hand right here on the very top of your head. And the others out there, lay it up there and let that anointing come into their head. And balance them. Well, if you just suspect you're bipolar, I, you know, I, I suspect I'm by something taller. Yeah. No, I don't know. And the rest of you, lay your hand on Larry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, this, some of you out there, the different parts of your body, the, the physical nerves yeah. aren't system. flowing properly. Right. And your body's not warming itself and right. moving to... Those of you like that, stand up and let people pray for you. Yes. Nervous There's system also disorders. a heating here for the right ear and the left eye. Mm-hmm. So you need this. It's time that body does it. Yes. And now I'm going to share something that I've noticed in my life. Many times the Lord has given me prophecies I knew was from Him. They never come to pass. Therefore, I buried them. Uh-huh. And then He resurrected yeah. them after a time. So some of you that you've buried those prophecies, yeah. don't be surprised if they don't yeah. come back to you right. Yeah, just just stop crying about it. Yeah, yeah. for they have a way of being resurrected by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but they don't come back the way they did the first time. And when they come back the second time, it'll be successful. It'll be what? Uh, it'll yes. be successful. Yes. yes. Yeah. The power is right here right now. 
it is. And you that have had so failure... I think what he wants you to do is, for all of you, you have a need, just breathe in deep. Yes. Breathe out the old spirit in yes. you. Yes. And breathe in the new spirit of faith. Yeah, breathe out the past, the failure of the yeah, past. Yeah, that's right. And breathe in the new spirit of Inhale. faith. Inhale. That relationship with your family. Your papa, your brother, and your teacher, the Spirit. Yes. Amen. Yes. If you've had failure in business, if you're called to business, if you're a Joseph or Josephine, I want you to stand up here too in this house. Joseph and Josephines. Joseph means uh, marketplace ministry, who's also a gifted prophetic or ministry ministry because they have ministry in the church and in the world. They have a dual ministry. Joseph's, Josephines, stand up. Uh, here and we want to prophesy against uh, the failure of the past and we want to bury the Stephen of failure and bless you with the Philip anointing. Lord, we bless this and the failures of the past and the despondency that's come because of failures of the past in business. We draw a line of demarcation in the sand today and say absolutely no to failure anymore. No to the past that has caused them to hit the brick wall that has caused them to be discouraged. And we call for a breakthrough, not a breakdown. A breakthrough, not a breakdown. A breakthrough, not a breakdown. A breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. A breakthrough for Joseph's. A breakthrough for Josephine's. We prophesy that the wealth of the wicked will be converted. We prophesy for wisdom and dreams and revelation about business, for inventions and witty inventions, for design, for dreams in the night about how to do business, and how to connect with marketplace. I prophesy and I stir the faiths of Daniels and Josephs and diplomats and, 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 and money people and marketplace people that are in this room, the Daniels and Danielettes and Josephs and Josephettes in this room. Lord, we declare that your greatness is about to come to you and better days are ahead of you. You that are in real estate, you're about to, uh, to excel in some strong areas in real estate. We declare real estate sales in this place to begin to do God's about to do something incredible with that Lord we declare that in Jesus name you that are in marketplace investments and you're investing monies in certain uh, energy anything has to do with energy by the way the word Bob talked about the angel energy coming last night and the King James in the book of Corinthians where it says the workings of God that Greek word there's energia where we get the Latin word energy or the energy of God so there's the energia the Greek word the workings of God is about to happen and God God's going to give you insight into that. God's going to give you insight in how to invest and where to invest. And we declare that, Lord, in this room in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that because incredible, 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 incredible grace is falling upon Joseph's and Josephine's in this room. Now, here's, the, here's a group I really want to pray for. Then we're finished. You that feel like... Not only that, like, my, I don't even know if I had a failure. I don't know if I have a future. I feel like I'm drifting, and I don't have any purpose, or I don't have a destiny. And be bold and just stand up. There's a lot of people who feel totally like, like everybody else is doing something, and I just don't know what I'm to do, and I'm just, Lord, God, I don't know. Because you are a really important person. You've got to stand up. It is, you, you, may be so, you may be all that so much that God won't show you because it will scare you to death. You know, so just stand up because every person has an incredible destiny and a role to play in their culture, in their society.
society and their generation. So stand up if you feel like you don't know what your destiny is. You don't even know. You said, well, I didn't fail because I never even tried, you know, because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Because what I'm trying to tell you that there are Esthers standing up in this room. Esther had no idea what she was going to become before she became that. Daniel's in this room. He had no idea that he was going to be the liaison to a king because he was in bondage in the bottom of a prison somewhere. You know, I mean, he was, he was in bondage because of the conquering nation. And so there are many of you who God has not revealed His purpose for your life yet, but this today is the beginning of the day of revelation for who you are. Because you are an exemplification of the greatness of God and of the complex destiny of God that He's put in every human being on this planet. Lord, I call them to a place of understanding of who they are called to be. All of their inadequacies and all of their seemingly uh, I can't, I won't, who am I, what am I, we refute those lies in the name of Jesus and I speak a Philip anointing into you and a Philip faith into you that you would just try something, just try something, just do it, just prove God and see if it will not pour down upon you a blessing that you can contain. Lord, I declare faith in their life and I provoke you. No, I challenge you to just try. So whatever's in your heart that God has put in your heart or whatever's in your heart, you don't even know if it's God, if it's good, try it because usually the desires of our heart are God-implanted desires. And I challenge you to give it a try. Take a risk. Go for it. Get out of the box. Don't worry about failing. Just do something and God is going to cause something to become, uh, nothing, excuse me, to become something incredible in your life. So Lord, we release this people into an incredible destiny. They are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image and you have in them the blueprint of a destiny that carries with it the weight of the kingdom that is going to shift the, the balance of, of this generation and it's going to shift the balance of power in the church because every man and woman is needed to do what God is about to do in the earth. You are indispensable. You are uh, drafted. You have no choice. You will salute because you're about to receive your orders. Lord, we declare that in a dream, in a vision, in an understanding. They will become everything that you have destined them to become in Jesus' name. There is deliverance from in this room from yourself. Lord, thank you for deliverance from our negative selves, from our old man. There is freedom for the new man because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is new man freedom. And we end by saying that. Lord, say it with me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all things have become new. One more scripture. Behold, I will do a new thing and suddenly it shall spring forth. That's who you are. God bless you. Amen. That was a download. <laughs> well, you know, I was saying just one little last thing we wanted to do is, um, you know, Bob has had health issues, and Larry both have had health issues. In fact, they both have been on sabbatical, except for a, a, 
a few little uh, things that they've done and fortunately we were one of the ones that they were willing to come do while they were uh, getting recuperated and so we wanted to ask the children uh, to come so all the kids in the room and we wanted to we wanted to lay hands on Bob and Larry for their complete healing this morning so I just wanted to before we do that just thank Bob and Bonnie and Larry and Laura for coming from the bottom of our hearts really thank you we really appreciate it just feel like you've really given us something of great value here that I believe is going to be very lasting you've just deposited something that we needed so we just thank you so much for just hearing the Lord and being willing to come and serve this body. Thank you so much. Bless them, Lord. So y'all, Bob, Bob and Larry, you come up here and sit down. And we want to just bring the children. And um, yeah, Andy's going to do some music. So uh, you know, Bob, uh, you know, had the kidney problems. I'm just telling this to the children so they know Bob has had the kidney problems. And uh, and he's he's being being healed, and Larry's had real bad arthritis. I think some it's probably affected his heart a little bit or something like that. But the Lord's healing him too. But we want to really get him healed today. We want them to leave here whole. So we want you guys just to come and come on around him and just just lay hands on him. And uh, Andy's going to lead us in some 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 worship here. So that, that's how we're ending. So let's just end as the children pray for them. Just pray their healing. Lord, release those healing angels right now, Lord. Lord, we just say, come, Lord, heal in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heal. Release that healing. Let those healing angels begin to flow and just release that healing from heaven in the name of the Lord Jesus. And y'all can extend your hands and just release this power. Oh, thank you, Lord. We just worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Heal. Heal. Yeah, heal. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Heal them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Let's just continue praying here. You know, and if any of the adults like would just come out here and stand with the kids, that would be good if you feel so. And Andy's just going to lead us, and we're going to just worship here. And, you know, or you can just, you know, be dismissed or worship or just come up here and stand for healing. And also, I just want to thank all the out-of-town guests that we had that came. It was great, again, just to say it was great, you guys being here. And um, just pray your blessings. Just take home something that was deposited in you today and yesterday and Friday night. We just pray God's blessings and anointing on on your church and your families and your businesses, every area. So, thank you and we look forward to to coming to wherever you are and just, you know, continuing to fellowship. So, Amen.